Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast app as well. Subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube so you know when we drop new episodes, and we always appreciate the shout-out, the shares, the stars. We appreciate you very much. And today, this episode is very exciting to me because we're hitting the sweet spot. We're hitting the meat of the NBA season, and I got two partners from the Hoops Podcast Network here to talk hoops with me here today. So one guy, I actually did a, a an assignment, not assignment, a, a showing on his podcast called Across the Cavs. That's Zach Weiss, fellow Northeasterner, but Cavs diehard, talking Cavs frequently on his pod, but big NBA fan. Zach, what's up, my guy? Hey, Pete, what's going on, man? We're two days away from getting the NBA back, and my nights can finally have some excitement again. So once we get to Thursday night, I'm all smiles. But for tonight, I'm excited to dice it up with you and the guests you're about to introduce as well. Absolutely, man. I actually uh, watched a little English Premier League over the past week or so. I watched Champions League today. I don't know if that's me having NBA withdrawals or finding something new. We'll see if it lasts the test of time. But I'm excited, too, for Thursday and now a new guy, newcomer to the podcast as well from the Canada Hoops podcast, Matty Ireland. Matt, Matty, Matt, what's up, my guy? How you doing? I'm good, Pete. Thanks for having me, man. This is uh, exciting. And like you guys, looking forward to the NBA getting back uh, on schedule here. I'm missing the hoops and uh, following our Canadian players. But uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to the, the chat, guys. And, and it's especially fitting to have you here as we obviously are a based in New York podcast, even though I talk NBA at large, NFL at large, you keep a close tab on all the Canadian NBA players, which some people may not even realize the impact and the reach that they currently have. Maddie, like right here locally, the Knicks have RJ Barrett, of course, but there's contenders across the league who are leaning on Canadian born players, which is something that's, you know, I wouldn't say it's brand new, obviously, but it is growing rapidly and I, I obviously understand now that your pod has a heavy base on that. So talk about that for a little bit. What inspires, you know, your podcast with Canada Hoops podcast and how you kind of follow the whole league in that one notion? You know, the the love affair for Canada basketball as a program and the national team started back 20 plus years uh, and really just I always thought it was great that guys out of Canada were starting to play at a high level. Um and I always loved the NBA, don't get me wrong, but the national team stuff and our players was my first love. So as the talent grew and the type of population Canada is starting to have um, and the love affair for basketball is growing, you know, the, the talent and the development grew as well. So now you're seeing major players at all levels um, really putting their mark on their teams. And you look at Shea Gildas Alexander was just in the All-Star game. He's only the fourth Canadian to ever be in an All-Star. Um, and, you know, so the Canada basketball community, uh, family, nerds like myself, we're all very proud. Um, it's not surprising, but uh, it's something we kind of hang our hat on. And, and definitely on the podcast, too. And we've been fortunate to have some great guests that have spent a lot of time with Canada basketball and um, and, and that family uh, join us. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And, you know, we, we've got the second most players in the NBA outside of the Americans, obviously. Um, and we feel like it's growing and the, 
the national team is ready to do a lot of damage this summer at the FIBA World Cup. They are going to be one of those lineups where you look at it like, oh, wow, yeah, no, that's a real, real team. You know, sometimes you see some of the international teams and you see like, you know, a, a Luka Doncic with a bunch of guys who you don't really know. Then you see occasionally like the French team, the Spanish team, they can be completely stacked and Canada has a chance to be in that same regard. Zach, I'm putting me and you on the spot here. You said four Canadian All-Stars ever. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was the fourth. I think we both know Steve Nash is one yeah. of the other ones. Can gonna, Zach and I finish the other two off? I was going to say Nash, too. I don't know. I, I'm not – I don't know that I can get this. I mean, soon – oh, wait. Wiggins. Wiggins is one. That's three. Wiggins is, Wiggins is the third. Nice. Thank you, Wiggins thank you NBA coaches, for that one. Um, NBA fans, rather. And then we got one more. Jamal has not made an All-Star game. Jamal Murray. He has not. He's a year. I think he will next year. So can you, five. can you give us like a like a general time frame, like a ten year? Give us a decade. Uh, early to mid two thousands. Oh my gosh! Can you give a jersey number or a uh, <laughs> an stumped, initials without I a think, name? Myself. I think in I think in the NBA for the most part he wore twenty one. And Jamal McGlure. Jamal McGlure. Oh, Zach, pull. Zach, that's a good pull right there. I was not getting there. I was not getting there. So Jamal Moore, Steve Nash, Andrew Wiggins, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah. Uh, Shea, I think, is going to be a mainstay there for, for years to come. This dude is absolutely falling out this season, uh, and he's getting all the love that he's deserved, honestly, with those weird seasons in the past where he's kind of been shut down in OKC and, like, who knows what's happening over there. He's getting the love, and that team's playing really well. They're fun. We're not exactly going to be talking at the, about them, at least I don't think, unless you guys have some some crazy opinions over there. But we're going to be focusing in today on Western Conference Championship contenders, which that number in your eyes, and I say a general you to our listeners, to you, Zach, to you, Maddie, that could be as small as one or two. That could be as big as like six or seven teams, depending on how you look at it. So that'll be our first topic where we kind of break down you know, who are the true power players in the Western Conference, and then we'll jump back over to the Eastern Conference. I want to take the spotlight off the teams who I think are the by-and-away favorites in the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks, and then figure out who are the other true players in the Eastern Conference out of you know the, the people in that middle class. The upper middle class is the Philadelphia 76ers and Cleveland Cavaliers. Then you have the Nets, Knicks, Heat, Hawks, all in that secondary or tertiary portion of the Eastern Conference standings who are fighting for you know, the four, five, six seed and a chance to not have to go through the play-in tournament with the Kevin Durant trade. That's all the more interesting for those teams and the Nets. I don't think they're going anywhere. We will discuss it. But before we dive in, you know, I got to tell you about all that action over at DraftKings Sportsbook because especially this summer, there is just tons and tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports and you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, NBA, of course, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options are endless. I'm looking right now, thinking about the NBA, and I see the NBA MVP odds, and you guys know, at least I think you know, that I'm a Nikola Jokic fan. Maybe you would say Stan. But I think the odds are off right now. I think there's a possible way to cash in big. Giannis Antetokounmpo is plus 700 here. Nikola Jokic is minus 250. Why are you putting that money down there? Joel Embiid is plus 450. But Giannis, 
the team that hasn't lost in over 12 games. They're on a heater. It's because of him. He's a beast. They may end up as the one seed, and Giannis Atetokounmpo might also be the best defender in the league. How you not go with him? Plus 700. Why not try it out with the NBA futures on DraftKings Sportsbook? And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But it's a good place to start with the Western Conference since it's so wide open right now. If you take away the Denver Nuggets, you have the Memphis Grizzlies at number two, all the way down to the number nine Golden State Warriors, separated by only six wins, six games here in the standings. And I think there's a chance... You can make an argument for about almost every team in that mix. So, Zach, I want to go to you first here. And when you think Western Conference contender, and now you don't have to go with your full final answer here, but when you first think of that question, that statement, is there one team that jumps out into your head, whether you want it to or not, or whether you think it should or not? But is is there a team that you think just jumps into your mind as soon as you hear uh, Western Conference contender? Yeah, I'd have to go with the team that I picked to win the title in the preseason, even though it's been a whirlwind of a year, and that would be the L.A. Clippers, who they're fourth right now at 33-28, and 28, sandwiched between Phoenix and Sacramento. And obviously, you know, Pete, when a team is going to make that title, they're going to do it with an eight- or nine-man rotation. However, in the case of the L.A. Clippers, with the announcement of the Russell Westbrook signing in the past 24 hours, They had already established a new 10-man rotation for about two or three games before the deadline, right? So they start with Mann, Kawhi, P.G. Morris, and Zubats, which is a very solid five. They they can all hold their own defensively, right? And you go to the bench, and you got three new acquisitions in the form of Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumlee. Then you throw in Nick Batum, and now you add Russell Westbrook to that mix. And that is a deep team. They've got Kawhi, who's won a title. They've got Russ, who's been to the playoffs every year. Yes, he's had some some bad moments. they got Mason Plumlee, who backed up Jokic for a number of years. And since he became a starter in Detroit and Charlotte, his teams didn't win anything. That's not on him. He's become a fantastic facilitator, like we saw when he used to start in Portland. So I think that they've got a real playmaking center for the first time. I mean, I, I don't. I can't recall a playmaking center in my time watching the NBA that's been a part of the Clippers. I think you add Russ. I think you got 48 minutes of motor in case George or Leonard need to miss a game here or there. You can rely on Russ to keep you in ball games. I think they have enough options on the perimeter for him to pass it to. And obviously, with Ty Lue as the coach, who knows what he'll do with those rotations and finishing up on the Bones Highland note. He's capable of just going off any night. He might not need to. He might only get 10 to 20 minutes in most games. But Bones Highland is a fantastic young scorer that got traded just because he didn't fit in with his prior system. I think the Clippers are hot. I think they're going to stay hot. And I think at 33 and 28, they could still get to 50 wins before the season's over. I know that would take only losing three or four more. But if their guys are healthy, I don't know who's beating them. I think they could take anybody. And I want to ask you a follow-up quickly before we talk about some other teams because for a second I thought you were going to go in a slightly different direction there. When you first said Clippers, I thought you were going to go that now since they brought Russell Westbrook into the fold, uh, no, you didn't no. feel as good about them. So you're still like feeling him. positively about the Clippers despite the Westbrook addition. Yeah, I, I like Russell a lot. 
You know, I, I like I like plus four fifty. Third third is solid. You know, I look a lot of people give Russ flack, but it's kind of funny, right? We're on Twitter over the course of, of an NBA evening, and we're seeing NBA Central and stats news and all this saying such good things about Russ throughout the season. He'll have a great game. He'll have a bad game. It happens, especially with the role he had with the other LA team and the Lakers. When he goes off, everyone's all, all right. He still got it. Why are they benching him? Oh, Darvin Ham doesn't know what he's doing. But now he signs with another team where he can actually have a good role. He can fit. He can throw his lobs. He can make plays. And everyone's saying the team gets worse. It's like we're back on our toxic Russ. I like him. I think he's still very good. And I think this is the perfect situation for him to, to be the energizer bunny. Because what's lacking sometimes and what they missed when Kawhi was out two years ago was that energy guy. Who's going to keep it going against the Suns for 48 minutes when he's not on the court? They got him now. You know what? I have some follow-ups. I'm going to let Maddie get involved here. But haven't we been saying this about every team he's been on? I mean, he he. I will say this. He helped the the Washington Wizards a good deal. He really did. And that's why I thought when he first signed with the Lakers, I said, I think he's going to help them in the regular season. I'm not sure how he's going to hold up in the playoffs if he's just really not shooting well, right? Because I saw what he did in Washington. He willed them to wins over and over again. In, the, in L.A. with the Lakers, it did not look that good. Matt, I don't know where you stand on Russell Westbrook at all. I have some more thoughts, but what are you thinking with the Russell Westbrook addition for the Clippers? Well, Zach hit it on the head, and I think that is outside of the Nuggets. We're staying away from them, but to me, the Clippers got to be a team that that competes in the West and, and potentially wins it. And the one thing with Kawhi, just knowing him from uh, his time in Toronto, and if you go back to San Antonio, Kawhi's always had success when he's had a really strong point guard with him. And I just think the additions they made across the board at the deadline. I love the Eric Gordon move. I think that is sleepy, sorry, sneaky good. And he was languishing in Houston. That that guy's a pro's pro. And now you add Russ, who can facilitate some stuff for Kawhi. I just think that that eases some pressure for Kawhi. Um, the Clippers have amazing depth. Uh, if they can stay healthy, uh, I watched their last game before the break, and they're starting to fit some of the guys into the floor. Gordon uh, Highland was there. You talk to uh, Plumlee. I like his addition big time. Um, yeah, they, they'll be good. I think they can figure this out. And to get Russ at this point where I think that team and guys on the team like Paul George have vouched for him and they want him there, um, that addition is, is very tough. That is a team that should really challenge Denver in my opinion. I am a bit surprised, I'm being honest, because I'm in the minority here. And I feel like over the past year or two, the minority has been the side in which Russell Westbrook gets praise, right? People, it seems like, and you guys probably agree with this based off your tones a little bit, that you're thinking that Russell Westbrook gets a little too much hate, that we need to reel it back in, that he's still a positive impact on the floor. And I just don't see it. I really don't. I think that his decision-making late in games is detrimental to his team's success. And that's where his energy, you know, does not outweigh what he's doing, you know, possession after possession. I don't know if it matters. That's my thing. That's where I'm going to agree with you guys a little bit because I think the big three for the Los Angeles Clippers, and I'm stealing this from Kirk Goldsberry, who I heard him say it on the low post, their big three is not Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook. It's Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue is one of the best, if not, you know, top three 
coaches who can make maneuvers inside of one game across the league. What this guy can do with depth is impressive. What he's done to this point to be where they are in the standings at the four seed, you know, with 33 and 28 record is incredible. Kawhi Leonard basically missed the first 20 games of the season or he wasn't really playing like himself until just a month or so ago. Paul George was an all-star, but that was kind of it. And he missed his fair share of games too. Ty Lue has been pushing the right buttons all year long. What I think will be truly interesting is if Ty Lue is still willing to push that button where he rips Russell Westbrook when he's not feeling it. When Russell Westbrook is going down a rabbit hole of bad decisions, will Ty Lue say, you are out. We're going Eric Gordon. We're going Kawhi's ball handlers, and that's it. Like you're out of the you're out of the rotation. And I think he's going to have to make that decision. I think they're rightfully placed here. If you're looking at the uh, the odds that I have up on YouTube at the moment, I think it's rightfully placed for them to be at plus four fifty, the third best odds in the Western Conference, just because I think Kawhi is getting so much closer to that peak level that we saw him at in Toronto a few years back. But I, I think that's right. I don't think they should be higher than this. There's still too many trust issues with what they have going on uh, from an injury standpoint and what we haven't seen from consistency of games played from Kawhi, but they're so freaking talented, and I love Ty Lue. I'm a little bit more nervous about Russell than you guys, but that's A-OK. Maddie, is there another team that jumps to your mind here when you're thinking about Western Conference uh, um, contenders? And by the way, Nuggets are not off the board in this conversation. Okay. I think that it's different from the East and West. In the East, it's very clear the Bucks and Celtics are ahead of the rest. Even though from a record perspective, the Nuggets are, are a good chunk above the rest, I don't know if they're looked at as like some sort of big-time playoff favorite, especially with the KD acquisition. I mean, Vegas is telling us right now the Suns have the best odds at plus 35, 235, and the Nuggets have the second at plus 390. So, Maddie, take it away. Yeah, I mean, um, I love Denver. I love Denver in this spot. I think um, they are incredibly tough at home. Uh, I think it's four losses at home so far this year. And um, I like how they've managed their lineups and their rosters so far to save some legs. We talked about Jamal Murray uh, not playing back-to-back, sat out before the break. Uh, the Jokers averaged, I believe, a triple-double through January. Um, I, I really, and, and I'm personally pulling for them, like I really want to see them do well, uh, obviously being a, a Jamal guy, but... Uh, I'll go away from them real quick, and I want to see what the Grizzlies are about. I really do. I want to see, uh, you know, their five game backs from, from the Nuggets. I want to see what they can do in this second half. They've struggled limping into the break. Um, I like their lineup and their depth as well. And it's just, for me, it's put up or shut up for these guys. And I just want to see uh, where they can go uh, in a seven game series. Maybe not having home court, say in the West Final versus Denver. I don't like their chances. Uh, but to me, they need to take that next step, and and, and Jaws got to really take it to another level for his team. Zach, what's your take on the Grizzlies? Uh, are you feeling lukewarm with their play as of late? You know, they haven't been super hot lately, but I think there's still a reason to believe they get back to form. Where, where are you landing right now on Memphis? All right, so I think with the Grizzlies, the, the biggest issue, why they keep losing is because Steven Adams has been off the court. That end, The end of that, I think it was the game after the Cavs game where he dove for the loose ball and the waning moments went down. He hasn't come back, and that coincided with a long losing skid. You know, he, he's been the perfect fit for them the last couple of years. You know, he's that perfect glue guy, big man. He sets screens. He rolls. You know, he, he does a fantastic job on the glass, creating second chances. He's fantastic with the screen assists as well, 
which Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks utilize very well. But it's a defensive team, you know, with Brooks and with Bain and with Jaron Jackson Jr. So, you know, you think about the Memphis Grizzlies. And here's the other thing is that they've, they've accomplished nothing. They talk like they've won something already. You look at how they hold their heads. You look at the way they tweet, the way they talk. You look at Dylan Brooks' interviews. Obviously, he gets booed by his own fan base. I'm not here for my Dylan Brooks vendetta. That's completely aside in this conversation. <laughs> We're not going to go there. I'm just acknowledging that it exists. But as far as the Grizzlies, I am very low on them right now just because – they they all something always seems to get in the way these last couple of, whether it's the grit and grind era something would always get in the way now that's a very different style something would always come up whether it's an injury or it's just a guy they just couldn't stop after a perfect season there's always something John Morant's been incredible but I I don't think he's a very good vocal leader from what we see publicly so I think that they really just got to find a way internally to communicate better I think if they can all get on the same page and stop with all this public cockiness when they really haven't won anything yet. The teams around them have. The Suns have been to the finals. The Warriors just won a title. You know, the, the Kings have been fantastic. We're not talking about them as a contender yet, even though they're third. But they've just been quiet. They've kept to themselves. They've played good ball. Now, the last time we even talked about distraction of, with a player like this was Embiid a few years ago when he was doing all the trolling and not focusing on his game. But it, it merits mention because that's the biggest issue in Memphis, not the win-loss. It's that they hold themselves to a, a seemingly low standard and they think they're above the rest of the West and they say that. It's going to backfire. And before we know it, they're going to be home while all these other teams are still in the playoffs. And you know what's interesting about what you kind of just broke down there? They put a target on their back without accomplishing anything. Typically, you don't get that target until you are a winner or a finals appearance type team. No one hates the team that's up and coming generally, right? And the Memphis Grizzlies have their fair share of haters. I mean, granted, they have a bunch of people who love watching them play. I think we all probably love watching them play generally, but there is a mm -hmm. reason to kind of get a little annoyed with them sometimes or to choose some of those other Western Conference teams as, you know, non-specific Western Conference fans here. There's a reason to root for the Nuggets over them because maybe you like Jokic. There's a reason to root for the Warriors because you love Steph, whatever it may be. There are reasons to not like uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and I was actually just looking this up off the top of my head because I had a feeling, as you mentioned, Dylan Brooks, that he was in the lower end of this category of the statistic I wanted to pull up, and uh, he happened to be. I was correct. My notion, which I was not aware of, was definitely true. It was true. So this is win shares per 48 on Basketball Reference. If you guys look at win shares, it's a stat that, you know, like any catch-all metric, isn't exactly perfect, but it gives you a good idea of what you're seeing, if it makes sense or not. Dylan Brooks has the 10th worst win shares per 48 across qualifiers. That means people who played enough minutes to qualify for league leaders. He's 10th worst in the entire NBA. That is, that is rough. And when you watch it, you see it. It's not one of those things that like, oh, you know, he's just not hitting shots. No, he's just not hitting shots. He's also not that same defender. He's a nuisance on the court in a bad way. He's not like bothering people in a good way anymore. Seems to be bothering his teammates when he takes these ridiculous shots sometimes. I mean, 10th worst in win shares for 48. Not where you want to be, Not especially when you're a rotational piece for a team that has championship expectations. Now, ironically, some other names on this list that are in the bottom 10 of win shares for 48 include some contender-type teams or contender-type players. 
Russell Westbrook, the fourth worst win shares per 48 across the NBA. Reggie Jackson, the eighth worst uh, win shares per 48 in the NBA. And Tim Hardaway Jr., ninth worst. So those are all players on teams that have championship expectations that expect to be in the conference finals and beyond. And they have some dead weight pulling them down. And Dylan Brooks is exactly that right now with the Memphis Grizzlies. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling super warm right now on the Grizzlies. And I think that's a kind of a normal thing around the league. They have plenty of time to figure it out and they have plenty of time to kind of push Dylan Brooks out of the rotation if they have the chance. One team that we haven't mentioned yet, which is possibly a mistake on our end, is the newly uh, Kevin Durant equipped Phoenix Suns, uh, who are rightfully so. I'd say rightfully so. The Western Conference uh, winning favorites, the Western Conference championship, they are plus 235. That's the best odds. When you have Kevin Durant and you have Devin Booker, it's really hard to kind of bet against them, but we haven't seen it yet. Kevin Durant's not back from injury yet. We know the history of Chris Paul. Do you think, let me just ask you this, do you think they should be the betting favorite right now for the Western Conference champions, or do you think you have to wait and see before you can have any sort of trust in them? Either of you jump in. Yeah, so I'll say this. When the trade was made, I was very scared of their depth. Off the top of my head, I couldn't name you enough reserves. At full strength, their bench will probably be some kind of assortment of well, there's a line of probably be what Paul, Booker, Akogi, Durant, Ayton, and then you got some combination of Landale and Biombo backing them up. You got TJ Warren, you got Tory Craig or Josh Akogi, Damian Lee, Landry Shamit, Cameron Payne, Terrence Ross. Those names don't jump off the page in any way, shape, or form. But seeing the way Josh Akogi has improved recently, that six three pointer game going into the break. I'm surprised he got another chance in the league to be a, a rotation piece after the way he struggled and couldn't even stay in the rotation on his rookie contract in Minnesota. But he's shooting lights out. If he can become a scorer, he's already a great finisher. Uh, he's a, he's a, you could almost call him an elite, perim- per, elite perimeter defender. I haven't watched enough of his tape. I don't know his exact numbers. If a Kogi can defend, if Terrence Ross can be the playoff year magic Terrence Ross if Landry Shamit can be the guy he was while he was holding down the point guard role for them right but Chris Paul's 38 DeAndre Ayton definitely doesn't want to be there and you did (laughs) trade your your best wing players in order to bring in a 35 year old injured mega legend superstar if Durant's on the court and he can give you 35 to 40 minutes with Devin Booker and with Ayton then they can go toe-to-toe for seven games with anybody, just like they did with that Bucks team while Harden was on one leg and Kyrie was out. But if Durant can't stay on the court, the conversation shifts to Dallas, whose depth is even worse, but they do have the best backcourt now in the NBA. So uh, I'll, let, I'll let Matt say his, say his piece after that. Well, when Phoenix landed Kevin Durant, I had gone to bed, and really the only trade that had happened was Minnesota trade, Nikhil Alexander-Walker going to Minnesota from Utah, Mike Connolly with them. I woke up, was dropping an episode for the podcast, and I'm like, Kevin Durant from Phoenix? Like, it happened overnight, <laughs> right? And it happened, We all that all happened to us. But I agree that the depth is going to be a major issue. I just can't see these starters logging these minutes. And when you have to give up your best wing player to get Kevin, okay, you do that. Um but I don't like their depth, and I think in a seven-game series, the minutes are going to be too much. I don't trust Chris Paul in this situation. 
Um, yes, Hall of Famer point guard, but there's just something about this group. I just I don't like the mix. And when you look at some of the teams we've mentioned, the Clippers, uh, even the Grizzlies with some of their depth, I just like their chances better. Now, let's see what everything looks like. Kevin hasn't played for Phoenix yet, obviously. Um, we need to see what this all looks like, and they're going to have to rely on him. Now, Monty Williams, great coach, right? So maybe he can figure this out. Uh, I just I just don't trust him in this spot. And I think even if you went down uh, to the play-in spot right now and if the Warriors can get healthy and get Steph back with their depth that they have in their lineup uh, and their experience, I, w- I would take them over Phoenix personally. It's one of those things that's kind of strange where you really understand why they did it and you do it every single time. Every single chance that you get to trade two very solid young wings like Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson and some picks, obviously. For Kevin Durant, you got to do it. You got to pull the trigger. One of the things that so many of us said about the Suns entering this season is that window that looked pretty open a year or two ago was was very quickly closing, right? We didn't know how many more years they're going to have of Chris Paul at an elite level, which clearly has kind of shown itself this year already. Um, and Devin Booker, obviously still being young, can he do it alone? Not many people can do it alone. Almost no one can do it alone in this league, right? So what was their window with the team they had prior? Was Mikhail Bridges ever going to be able to take a jump that we might be seeing in Brooklyn in Phoenix? Maybe not, right? So it's a no-brainer for them to make this move, but that doesn't mean it's a no-brainer that it's going to work. And that's kind of what you guys are talking about here. So I, I think um, I'm as positive as one can be without being irrational. Because to say that you have the utmost confidence that they should be the far and away favorite of the West, I think that's just saying, like, we're playing 2K and you turned off injuries, right? And you hate to make that a part of predictions, but it's true and the history shows itself with this group specifically. You know, Kevin Durant's done a pretty good job obviously outside of the two major injuries, staying healthy in the playoffs or the one major injury that lasted a while. If you guys get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and Devin Booker, this is, you know, he's been a little banged up here and there occasionally, but he's mostly been healthy in the playoffs. Chris Paul has not. And what can they do if Chris Paul's not there? What can they do if they do lose Kevin Durant? Obviously not as much. So yes, I think they are the de facto favorite, but I don't think it should be as big of a betting difference as you know, we're seeing right now on DraftKings, but I think that's also probably a part of like, you know, it's the new shiny toy. They're trying to get bets in on on the futures of the NBA. Uh, obviously, you got to bump everybody turning to DraftKings saying, "Oh, what can I get for Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to win the Western Conference?" Right? Like, so I get why the odds are like that. I don't know if they should stay that way. So I'm kind of with you guys. I think that the depth is going to be possibly an issue. They have some sneaky players who are just solid, nice players. They're going to need to get some shooting from some of those guys. Like TJ Warren's going to have to have some little runs off the bench. You know, Damian Lee and Shamit, they're going to have to shoot the ball decently well. And like you said, Zach, DeAndre Ayton's going to have to play like he wants to be there because that's going to be one of their deciding factors. Like, is he going to be a contributor late in games, late in series, or is he going to be getting played off the court? He's not the style of center who frequently can get played off the court. But it can happen, especially if his effort's not there defensively and he's not putting up any buckets. So I'm very intrigued to see what this is going to look like. But, of course, we have to wait for Kevin Durant to get healthy first. Um, Real quick, let's run through just a few more Western Conference team. Maddie, you already mentioned the Warriors. I I think we don't have to spend time on them. It's pretty obvious. If Steph Curry is healthy 
and they're generally healthy, they are a contender. That's just it. There's like the end of the conversation, right? So unless we want to start pontificating about Steph Curry's health, which we don't have the inside scoop on, there's no point of really having a further conversation. With Steph, they're elite. Without Steph, they're extremely mediocre. So that's that's the Warriors conversation in a nutshell. The Mavericks, on the other hand, they look like they will be the most elite offense in the NBA, perhaps, for the remainder of the season. That being said, they might have the worst defense in the league. Zach, is that a balance that can last? Is that a style that you can see working through the playoffs with Kyrie, with his baggage, obviously, and Luka being Luka? Is it enough, or do you not see enough? The only way Dallas makes a serious run is if Maxi Kleba can play 30 minutes a game and he gets 100% healthy. He's been out for, what, two months already. They've missed him sorely. They traded Reggie Bullock's mate over to Brooklyn, Dorian Finney-Smith. He was Mr. Guard Everybody. He's gone, and he's also a fantastic fourth-quarter corner three-point shooter. He's better than P.J. Tucker. No one really talks about that outside of the Dallas market. I mean, they're just too small. They're playing Reggie Bullock at the four. Dwight Powell's still starting at center, even though they have Christian Wood and JaVale now. I don't know exactly what happened with their rotation, but unless Josh Green and Reggie Bullock can play 48 minutes on the perimeter a game and protect Kyrie and Luka, then no. However, they can score. You did mention Tim Hardaway, ninth worst uh, win shares. He's he's a key part of what they're doing. I, I don't, I can't recite their entire rotation offhand, and I'm sure I missed one or two key guys. But overall, I don't like their depth at all. They haven't signed any big free agents either. They 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 whiffed on Terrence Ross, who could have been important for them. I don't. I mean, I, I'd love to see them. Actually, Will Barton doesn't even fit. I don't know what they should do, but Kyrie and Luca got to play 48 and hope that they can play a little defense sometimes. I'd be interested to see if if Jason Kidd decides to just say we're going all in on offense, like you know, Javale McGee and uh, and Dwight Powell. It's nice what you guys can do defensively. Let's just throw Christian Wood in there for 35 minutes and try to score 130 points a game, right? Like I could see that happening. Jason Kidd does have, you know, the uh, the guts, if you will, to to make some more uh, outlandish maneuvers from a rotation perspective. He does usually seem to love his defenders and really lean on defense. But I wouldn't be shocked if there are certain series where he decides to say, you know what, we're not really going to stop this team much anyway. Let's just try to outscore them. It's going to be exciting. Will Kyrie lead to a problem at some point? I don't know. Obviously, that's one of the the, the questions of all time here with Kyrie Irving, if he's going to be on his best behavior or not. Usually you think so in a new spot for a few months, he will, but you, you really never know. It's been absolutely incredible to watch them play offense, though. Matt, what's, what's your take right now on the Mavs? Well, they got to score a ton, like we've said, and I just, you know, they could have made some moves to get better and, didn't happen. Listen, I watched the Mavs for Dwight Powell, and I love that guy and what he's done for, for Canada basketball. But, you know, if they're going to make any kind of run, he's going to have to sit. Dwight's going to have to be on that bench. He's a great screen and roll guy. Uh, his teammates love him. If he gets hit in the face five times a game, they might win. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's kind of his role. But I think um, – they, they had a bad loss right before the break against Minnesota. Three-point loss after, uh, you know, post-trade deadline and Minnesota goes down there. I think there was, it was in Dallas and Luca and uh, Kyrie both had 30 or 33 points each. And I'm like, how do they lose this game? So I just, it's a short bench. Defensively, they're so bad. Um, 
you know, if they, the playoffs started today, if they're in six, they'd match up third with the Kings. Uh, the Kings can get after it on both ends. I, I don't, I don't like Dallas's chances in a series like that. And uh, Luca's great, obviously. You know, is there? I, I wonder if there's enough shots for the both of them. So the rest of the season is going to show us that. But uh, the depth is poor, guys. The depth is poor. It's like they need to combine the talents of their depth pieces, right? Like if they could combine, uh, like this is kind of a joke, obviously, but like if they could combine Frank Nilakina's defense with Tim Hardaway's offense, then yeah, like, oh, all of a sudden their depth is looking good, right? But they all their guys are specialists and not quite good enough at their specialty to make an impact. And that's why the Dorian Finney-Smith loss is going to be palpable for them. Because like Reggie Bullock is fine. We saw him in New York. We know he's a solid player. He can shoot a little streaky. He's not an all-around rounded player all the time. Josh Green's probably their best wing depth piece, and, and that's possibly a question mark of, like, can you trust him being so new to this league, being still a, a younger player in this league, if he can be, like you said, 40 minutes a game? like That might have to happen in a playoff game, and, and I don't know if that's going to be enough. Then again, it's tough to bet against Luka. We know what they did last year, making it to the Western Conference Finals. Not going to be as easy this year. All right, last thing quick on the Western Conference. None of us mentioned the Kings. Are they just a fun story? Are they just fun offensive showing team that's not going to really do much in the playoffs other than, you know, give us some some good needed entertainment? Well, they got they got my guy Matthew Dellavedova, so anything is possible there. But in, actu- <laughs> in actuality, they've got the best bench defensive bench player in the NBA by far, Davion Mitchell. Every time he comes in the game, he knocks anybody he guards up, while only being six one. Very reminiscent of prime Kyle Lowry and prime Chris Paul on that end of the floor. Maybe even better defensively. I thought you were going to say prime Delavadova. No, I he's not out of his prime yet. Uh. Watch it, watch it. That's why. I, but that's why I like the Delavadova addition in actuality because him, him and Mitchell together really push Fox to work harder on that side of the ball. The one thing they lack is rim protection. But if they score enough, it might not matter in the fir- in the first round of the playoffs. Sabonis is going to give you 20, 10, and 5, sometimes 15 rebounds, sometimes 10 assists. De'Aaron Fox is a proven closer despite his three-point showing where he only made five shots, tying Michael Jordan. Kevin Herter can shoot lights out. Malik Monk can be that energetic sixth man. You have some fringe rotation guys like Terrence Davis and Trey Lyles that have showed some really good things over the course of the season. Obviously, Harrison Barnes made a couple of finals runs with the Warriors. I think that him him and Fox have been there a while. They're kind of the core pieces. I love Mike Brown's defensive philosophies. They started the year 0-4, then they won about five or six in a row. They will make the playoffs. I don't know for sure they'll secure home court, but nobody wants to play in Sacramento in the playoffs. The, the beam team is legit. I could see a second-round appearance. It's going to take a lot to beat a Denver or a Phoenix in round two, knowing that they don't have the same level of superstar power. They just have regular stars that are still pushing for superstardom, but haven't accomplished the same things. And only the Kings, right? Who would be the first team, well, not the first team, but a team that hasn't made the playoffs in so freaking long, right? Like their drought is the biggest in the league, that they're going to be a top four seed in the Western Conference possibly, and then have to play like Kawhi Leonard in the first round or something like that's classic Kings right there. The Kings luck has just never been right. Obviously all the way back to those Weber Pedro Stojakovic teams where they ran into the freaking Lakers every year and they couldn't get over the hump. You know, this team is good. This team deserves credit. This team deserves some praise, but it's hard to bet on them when all of a sudden you walk into a series and it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, or it's Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, or it's Steph Curry, or it's Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, right? Like, goddamn, the poor Kings, like they just can't 
quite catch that break. Now, this season basically is already a win. Unless they fall off the face of the earth here in the final stretch, this is a huge season for them. This puts some some trust in the front office. This puts some proof of concept to their team, and it's an amazing win for them. But I think rightfully so that they are you know behind even the Pelicans right now in Western Conference Championship contendership, according to DraftKings. They're even behind the Lakers, but that's just the Lakers being the most bet team from the public, right? Like we, we're not trying to confuse anything here. Um, the Kings have a plus 5,000 odds to win the Western conference, which is just a slap in the face to a team. That's been so exciting. Um, we got to finish up with the Western conference here. So I'll just say this. We didn't talk Lakers and that's okay. Right? Like they might be able to figure something out here. They're going to have to go like, you know, eight games above 500 in this final stretch of like 21 or 22 games or something like that to even get into the play in tournament. It's going to be difficult. I think they probably get into the play-in, but it's not even a given that they make the play-in tournament. They added a ton of depth, but we don't have to sit here and talk about the Lakers. Every podcast in America, every talk show in America, every ESPN show talks about them enough. We're going to skip them for now. So that is the Western Conference. Zach flexes his Lakers t-shirt right now. Dwight Howard Lakers shirt. That's incredible. Is Is that a purchase that happened in moment, like when he got to the Lakers? This okay. happened three weeks before the the only playoff run he made with them the first time around because I liked him. It was on sale and uh, I went for it. That's great. Now it's a now it's a vintage shirt. <laughs> Correct. Not many Dwight Howard number twelve shirts. More people probably have the number thirty nine. That's that's incredible. That's an incredible shirt. I actually was did something similar except on the flip side. I was in like a TJ Maxx once, like a few months ago, and they had like a bunch of Frank Nilakina Knicks jerseys, and I was like. For eighteen ninety nine, like I just had to buy it. I had to buy it. I have not worn it yet. It still has the tags on it. If I go to a Knicks game, I might have to just throw it on. Show love for my boy Frankie Smokes. <laughs> you'll you'll make it on the jumbotron, the broadcast, and, and Subway Sports Talk's gonna be gonna be with Mike Breen and Clyde Frazier before the game. There you go. That'd be that'd be incredible. Uh, but yeah, that pretty much sums it up for the Western Conference. We could talk about the Pelicans again. Similar conversation to the Warriors. Their thing is health. If only Ingram's healthy. If only Zion's healthy, it's not enough. They need both. If they have both, we can have a conversation about them. But until we get there and until some Zion clearance comes about, there's just no point in having the conversation. Uh, Let's go to the Eastern Conference here. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Zach Weiss, and Matt Ireland talking hoops right now. Of course, you could check out the Canada Hoops podcast from Matty Ireland and across the Cavs from Zach Weiss to all your Cavs updates and and discussions. But right now, we're going to move over to that Eastern Conference and uh, I mentioned earlier in the open that I wanted to stay away from the big two. The big two, that is the Boston Celtics. That is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks on a 12-game win streak. They're 1-2 and two in the odds according to DraftKings right now. Uh, Celtics plus 115, Bucks plus 220. They're the best two teams. We don't have to talk about it right now. I want to know who can hang with those two. Zach, I have to go to you first here, and I have to do some uh, some service to the Cross the Cavs podcast, to yourself and your fandom. Uh, what What's the deal with the Cavs here? What's your trust level? What's your energy level on them not just being a nice little four seed, but possibly a three, four seed that can make some noise? So the biggest thing for the Cavs, which is why they ended up in the play-in last year instead of being top four where they were before Jared Allen went down, is continuity. The buyout of Kevin Love pretty much says our rotation is set 
we love what you did for us, but your time is up. And he goes to another team that is in contention in the Eastern Conference. Very much back-end contention, but still in contention because they were one win from the finals last year, the Miami Heat. But the Cavs are showing trust in the guy they gave $25 million to last summer in Dean Wade, who missed six six weeks earlier this season with an injury. He's finally come back. They've put trust in Karis LeVert. They've put trust in Jetty Osman, who randomly collects DNP coaches' decisions. But some nights he's scoring 20 points without missing a shot. Some nights he's playing five minutes, he's going over two, and he's not seeing the court. I think the addition of Danny Green is huge for Cleveland because he's been to the finals with and won with three different teams, Toronto, the Lakers, and the Spurs. And where did that journey begin? Cleveland. And while he might only play five or six minutes here or there, there might be some nights where the Cavs are struggling. They could throw 37-year-old 3-and-D specialist for over a decade in San Antonio almost, and – They can get good things to happen. He brings a great leadership to the floor. Donovan Mitchell has been so close so many times and never gotten past round two. Something's always gotten in the way. But he's proven with the 71-point game. His all-star performance matters. That might have been the worst all-star game ever, but Donovan Mitchell in a Cavs jersey scored 40 points. I don't think any Cav has ever done that. Not even MVP Kyrie. LeBron never did that in a Cavs all-star uniform. Yes, he was open almost every time, but he, he was putting on a show. If he didn't get subbed out by Joe Mazzulla and it was Tatum that got subbed out, the MVPs and the scoring numbers would have been switched. He's been incredible this season. He, Wait, they real sacrificed. Quick. Oh. Can I cut Go you ahead. off real quick? I'm sorry. Didn't it feel like Donovan Mitchell was taking real takes, though, in the All-Star game? Like He was having like real contested layups because he was making real basketball moves when everyone else was just like, walking to the hoop for dunks and he was like doing Euro steps to, for contested reverse layups. Like it was, it was kind of weird that he was getting defended kind of. It, it, it's great because they're going to have tape to watch on him from the all-star game and they're still not going to be able to stop it. The, the thing is he's, he's been on such a tear and Darius Garland, who's one of the, I think for his three point number, the number of shots he's taken, I think is top five in percentage at this point after a slow start to the season. Their defense has gotten a lot better. Isaac Okoro has been one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He's only in his third season in the league, and he's locking it down. Evan Mobley's taken such a a great leap forward, and obviously I can talk about the Cavs more than any other team. So without staying on here forever, I'll say this. I'm very happy with their depth right now. The return of Ricky Rubio to at least half the form he was in last season is going to be monstrous. I think you got the arguably, and I'm probably missing people off the top of my head, but arguably the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. You've got perhaps the most complete starting lineup other than Boston, who I know we're not going to talk much about. So if Don and Garland uh, can lock in, no one's getting double teams. They're going to have open shots all night. I'm very excited. And I do think that the Cavs can take any team in the series. Now, do I think they're going to win the East? Let's hold on there. I'm not going to put that into into existence, but I think they can challenge any team in the series pretty comfortably. I can say that. Yeah, and, and depending on kind of how the bracket falls out, you know, almost guaranteed to see Boston or Milwaukee in the second round, right? That's how it feels for for every team, every team across the Eastern Conference, because they're going to be one-two in whatever order they end up, which makes it difficult. But the Mobley Jared Allen combo here talked about win shares before, according to defensive win shares, uh, defensive win shares. From uh, basketballreference.com, Mobley and Allen are one and two in the entire NBA. So we're talking about defense over here. You're talking about the highfalutin offense they got with Mitchell and Garland. Those two guys down low are making life hell for opponents consistently, and that's going to be possibly their ticket, especially if, say, they run into the Sixers 
here and they have to put up with Embiid. I don't know how they've done specifically so far this year, but you can't ask for two better players to go against Joel Embiid than an Allen Mobley combo, right? With the Coro kind of running around trying to help out there as well. So they're equipped to make some noise. I think they might do so. We'll talk more about them in a second. Maddie, is there another team in the East in that secondary group that jumps out? Is it just the Sixers or do you think it's one of those teams from, uh, from below? What about your New York Knickerbockers? What about them? Talk to me, baby. Well, I mean, I'm locked in on them. And then we talked about RJ briefly. Um, uh, Julius Randle, all-star. I like, you know, their pace and their effort. I feel like they play hard every night. And this is a team that I want to rally and support, much like Zach's Cavs. I think the Cavs are a fun team. I think uh, you get in the playoffs in that second uh, sorry, in the playoff uh, season and you go into that half court, you're going to – things slow down. Defensively, the Cavs are there. Uh, I like the Knicks to make a run and get up to fourth or fifth. Uh, I think the Cavs can pass Philly for that third spot. Um, you know, I think – and then this is something that I've yet to experience, but the energy at the Garden, playoff basketball for the New York Knicks, uh, I'm sure you could talk about that, but to watch that on TV and just see that – that momentum swings that gives the team uh, and RJ, he's got to be better. He's got to be more consistent. Uh, I believe in him. He's still really young. He's had a lot on his shoulders from day one, but uh, the Knicks are exciting. And I think they have an opportunity to, to challenge those top two and, and get close to them um, and maybe go ahead of Philly in a situation like and I'm thinking about strength of schedule now because, you know, thinking about who's going to get to that three spot, who's going to get to four, five, six, whatever. Right now, the Sixers have the hardest remaining schedule of any team in the NBA, not even just the Eastern Conference. They have the hardest one across the league. Uh, they've beat up on everyone they're supposed to beat this year. And beat and Harden have numbers that are pretty much right up there with any duo in the NBA right now. And beat scoring 33 freaking points a game. They're incredible. But we've talked about some of the shortcomings that we know those that team and, and James Harden has more specifically in the playoffs. And that could be a little bit of an entry point for a Cavs, for a Knicks, for a Heat to make some noise here in the first, second round. I don't know how much I trust the Knicks yet late in games. Like when I watch the New York Knicks, I always see this battle back and forth between Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and Tom Thibodeau of how to operate late. There's some, some specific games that jump to mind, but basically what happens is when Randall's going, we know how good it can look. But sometimes late in games, when he puts the pressure on himself, he's not always doing a great job of getting everyone else involved, kicking when he needs to, and forcing up tough shots. That's what kind of scares me the most with the New York Knicks, just because of some of the late game stuff we've seen from them this year. It has to be Brunson in that regard. A lot of people have given the tip of the cap to the Knicks for that free agent signing. Rightfully so. It's been such a wonderful hit for them so far this year. And Brunson looks like not a flash in the pan but a true franchise-type point guard. I think they have a chance to solidify them in themselves into that top five. I don't think they're going to catch the Cavs. I don't think they're better than the Cavs. I don't think they're better than the Sixers. I think they could hang with the, uh, with those teams in the playoffs, but they would not be favored. I, I love what you're saying, though, Matt. The energy around the Garden is, is awesome, and the weird thing is they've been a better road team this year than they have been a home team. I'm expecting that to kind of even out in the second portion of this season here because typically they're great at home. Typically that energy helps them a lot. And this year they've been way better on the road. 
It's one of those weird things, but if they can keep that consistency on the road and then kind of flip back in their favor, the home record, yes, they're they're looking at a five seed. They're looking at fighting possibly for the four seed. Obviously, they have four or five games to catch on the Cavs in that regard. So I think the five seed super realistic. However, the Heat or the Heat, Bill Simmons always calls them the zombies of the NBA. You don't know how they do it. You don't know how they stay relevant, but they always do. And guys, call me crazy. I think the Nets are still going to compete around here. I think the Nets are going to be a team that's frisky, not fun to play for other teams. They have good defenders all over the place. Nick Claxton's a defensive player of the year candidate. If Mikel Bridges can now score 28 points a game throughout the final 20 here, is it crazy to think that the Nets can hang on to one of those top six seeds? Or do you think the Knicks and Nets act have what it takes to definitely pass them? I think it's exciting that both the Nets and Knicks once again will likely be in the playoff conversation so the debate can continue about who the better team is now that neither team has a true superstar but very good play. Randall might make – Randall could prove me wrong. But, you know, look at the Nets' starting lineup of Dinwiddie, Bridges, Johnson, Finney, Smith, Clax, and you have a DPOY candidate at center. You have a DPOY, I think, runner-up from last year at shooting guard. And then you got – another deep uh, defensive uh, all defensive team caliber guy in Finney Smith. Then you go to the bench and you got an improving Dayron Sharp. Say what you will about him, but Ben Simmons can still play defense in the NBA. You bring in Cam 40 burgers three times in a row, Thomas. You got Joe Harris and Seth Curry. You got Royce O'Neal, a 40% three-point shooter. That was the defensive backbone of a contending jazz team for three seasons. I mean, I'm, I love their depth. The fact is, Yuta Watanabe, who's the best three-point shooter in the NBA this season, can't even see the court because of how deep this team is. Not only did they get rid of Kyrie, they got rid of Markeith Morris. Doesn't mean a lot, but he was randomly getting minutes he didn't deserve over Dayron Sharp. That stopped. He's on the court now. I mean, they they look good. I, I would love to see them still pick up if they can get in the buyout market. I don't know if they have any roster spots open. Just get one more big man maybe a veteran to help with Claxton and with Sharp just to learn the nuances of the important games. But Bridges just dropped, what, 45? Mr. Brooklyn Bridges, Dinwiddie's been here in big games before. And Finney Smith, they got four-fifths of the starting lineup of the Western Conference Finals last year with uh, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie, Bridges, Finney Smith, and Cam Johnson. I mean, or second round, sorry. Second right. Yeah, that's right. They didn't make the conference finals, but yeah, you're right. They got guys who've been around now. They got guys who are young with experience and that's a dangerous combination because you know, those, those leaps can happen very quickly. And the Mikhail Bridges leap is kind of happening right in front of our eyes. I'm just not going to be sitting here quickly saying that the Knicks are guaranteed to jump them, that the heat are guaranteed to jump them. I think they can play steady enough basketball for the rest of the season to hang on to one of those top six spots. And those top six spots are so damn valuable because if you're the Knicks and all of a sudden you're a seven seed and you're playing the Hawks who are an eight seed and the Hawks might be a disaster, they just fired Nate McMillan. Joe Prunty's their interim head coach, which it just made me LOL today when I saw that on my uh, my Twitter notifications. But like the Knicks don't want to go play the Hawks in a one-game playoff. They don't. And then they all of a sudden they got to play Toronto or Washington and you're now sweating for no reason, right? So getting that five or six seed is incredibly important. I think the Knicks have the upper hand on getting that against the Heat and the Nets. And ironically, Knicks-Heat play three more times this season. So those games are playoff games. Right there, those are playoff games for those two teams. And I hope the Knicks can show up and take two out of three because that'll put proof to concept. I talk about proof to concept for the Kings. 
that's proof of concept for the Knicks right there that the Runson, uh, Runson, the Brunson Randall combo is real. If you can go toe to toe with Jimmy and Bam, who are right now looked at from across the league as a better duo than what you have in New York, maybe not by much, but I think the respect level and the uh, the playoff success level that they've had would put them ahead. If Brunson and Randall can kind of shut them down a little bit and put up buckets on the Miami Heat's defense, all of a sudden, Matt, your your excitement about the Knicks and my excitement about the Knicks as a Knicks guy is not going to be just New York being hyped about something that's mediocre. It's going to be real. And I think that's a possibility. So let's do one quick activity before we go because I know we got to go in a minute here. Can we do a, a, a quick ranking, putting you guys on the spot a little bit here? How do you think the Eastern Conference is going to play out from three to seven? Your team's currently in this order. How do you think it's going to play out? Sixers, Cavs, Nets, Knicks, Heat. Uh, Matt, what do you think is going to be the breakdown here of the Eastern Conference? From three to three to eight, sorry, or three to three to seven, three to seven, three to seven. I'm putting Cleveland at three, Philly at four. I'm going to put the Knicks at five. Nets at six, Heat at seven. I'll go. I'll go that. Zach, what do you think? What do you What do you got? All right. So the Sixers have four more games than the Cavs, so it's going to be kind of hard to to put them behind because they have the same win total. So I'll go Philly three, Cavs four. I'm actually going to put Miami five. I think Miami's going to go on a little surge. I'll go Nets six. I think the Knicks are going to get a little tired with their lack of Thibodeau depth. <laughs> and end up seventh and facing the Hawks in a battle for the seventh spot. And, and if that game is in New York, Uh-oh. then I am pumped to oh see Trey Young. Last time Joe Prunty was head coach, that was the Drew Bledsoe Bucks Celtics crazy rivalry seven games. Oh series. my gosh, remember that? Forgot about that. That was the last Drew time he was interim Bledsoe. head coach. So Oh my gosh. That was that was I completely forgot about that whole subplot of that season with Eric Bledsoe falling apart. Terry Rozier, right? Scary Terry was going bonkers. Yep. That was, that was electric. My gosh. Um, all right. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go. Cause I, I think I kind of agree with you, Zach. And I think the Sixers have been solid enough to trust them here in the way the games have broken out, even with their harder schedule. I think they just hang on. It's going to be very tight and three, four will be Sixers Cavs without much contest from the rest of it. So, I'll give the slight edge to the Sixers. I think the Knicks are going to get to that five seed as well. And this is the one point that we haven't brought up yet. That's incredibly important. Mitchell Robinson should be back soon. The Knicks have been playing better basketball since, you know, the past, since really the new year, right? They've been playing pretty well. They're looking really solid throughout the Josh Hart addition feels right. It's adding some professionalism to this team. And I said this on past pods, but just to fill you guys in, you know, we love Quentin Grimes here in New York. I think a lot of people who watch the NBA closely have good hopes for Quentin Grimes. In the words of Clive Frazier, he's a neophyte. He is still a neophyte. He's in his second year. He's good. He deserves his 20, 25 minutes a game. But Josh Hart is a man. He's a pro. He rebounds. He plays super hard. And if he's hitting threes, he adds just that extra, extra solidity to whatever he is, the starter, the closer, the bench guy, it doesn't matter. He's doing positive things everywhere. But the Mitch Robinson factor, they've been on this mini run here playing good basketball without Mitch. Mitch has been one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. He's been cleaning up alley-oops like he does. He's a menace defensively down low. He's probably, I, I don't know, just off the top of my head, top seven defensive center in the NBA, give or take, right? Maybe you can argue for four. You could argue for eight, give or take, right? 
that addition is going to be huge for them. It's big for RJ Barrett. You know, I think Brunson and Randall do such a good job by themselves if they have to with shooters around them, with whoever's playing center. But RJ Barrett needs a little bit of Mitchell Robinson in his life because that pick and roll for, for RJ, he's not always great at passing out of it when he gets too close to the rim, but he is kind of better at it when Mitch Robinson's there to clean it up. Maybe he trusts him, trusts him more. Maybe he's just more used to where he's at on the floor. But I think that Mitch addition is going to be big for them. They get five, Heat six, Knicks, uh, Nets go to seven. Because I, I want to so badly say the Nets are going to do this or that. They're going to be fun. It's not going to be fun enough for to keep them in the top six. So that's my uh, Eastern Conference projection. If you had to pick one team to make or to yeah to make the finals to represent the East, that's not the Celtics or Bucks. Who's it going to be, Zach? I gotta say Cavs, but I would not be surprised if uh, my my Ooh. rival Sixers. Oh do God! No. You know what, dude? I would like. Would you really be shocked if the Heat did it though? Yes, it because so I love Kevin Love, but they have no size. He's not the size they're looking for. Just like he's not the droids they're looking for either. And they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to contend with the fact that Caleb Martin is their power forward against Giannis <laughs> or. They got Bam. They got Bam, dude. Yeah, but he can't guard everybody. That's true. He He can only guard one guy. He can't. Maddie, what do you think? Who's coming out? If it's not the Celtics or Bucks, who's going to do it? If it's not Boston, not Milwaukee, this is who I want because I don't like the other options. So I'm going Cleveland. I don't like Philly. I can't roll with Philly. Um, Let's go Cleveland. Let's do it. Yeah. I would love that, man. It would be so exciting. It would also really break my heart to watch Donovan Mitchell for you guys lead you to a championship, man. That would hurt real bad as, as somebody who kind of made peace with not making that trade. And now to see if that takes place, man, it's going to hurt so bad. Just know this before we wrap up. Every time I watch the jazz and see Laurie Markin and scoring 35 and Colin <laughs> Sexton doing his thing in a you knowing that they have our picks for three or four years, it was a heavy sacrifice. Just sleep, sleep on knowing that you still have your assets, but understand the Cavs are very good because they gave up a lot to get this guy that can do all that. So it's both sides. There's days where I'm like, I wish we still had marketing. I know he wouldn't be an alpha, but having the depth that those guys offered, because that's what they missed for part of this season. But then at the end of the day, they made the trade and they have a top 15 player, sometimes top 10. So it's, it goes both ways. You'd be losing sleep some nights and you'd be, and you'd be, Waking up in a stream of, of rainbows and cookies other days. <laughs> it's that's a good point. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Philly, man. I'm gonna go with Philly. It, it's stupid. It, you hate to say it. Uh, we talked about hard and shortcomings. Joel Embiid's never made it past the second round, and we didn't even mention this. Like Doc Rivers, like does he just not have it anymore? Did he ever have it as a coach? Right, like he has all these moments in history of blowing big playoff leads of not pushing the right buttons, of leaning too much on veterans when he has younger guys who are better. Like, there's some question marks with Doc Rivers that are very frustrating. I think if they come up short, you know, he's out this year, and Maury's not having any more of that. So, Or he's not having any Maury that. Uh, I don't know. Bad pun, sorry. Uh, but I, I do think that they found something this year. Harden's been looking more and more crisp as the year's gone on, and Embiid is possessed, too. Like Embiid is absolutely possessed this year. That's a dude who plays as hard as anybody in the league. He deserves his flowers. 
I, I hated all the Philly people and Embiid supporters last year trying to act like Jokic wasn't a deserving MVP. It was blasphemy. It was stupid. But that does not mean that Embiid was also not deserving. Like, that was the difference last year in the MVP conversations. Jokic supporters said, Embiid deserves it. I just give the lean to Jokic. Embiid supporter says, Embiid support uh, get, deserves it. And Jokic, like, is a, a loser who is only good at Vorp and Warps and Shorps. Like, it, it was such a stupid conversation and pissed me off so much. Mm-hmm. But with all that being said, Embiid deserves all the flowers in the world, whether he, Giannis, or Jokic win the MVP. They all deserve it, and that's okay. I think there's a chance the Sixers finally put it together. Harden finally puts it together, and, and there's my pick if it's not the Bucks or uh, Celtics, even though I'm, I'm leaning Bucks right now generally. How, how are you guys feeling that? Yeah, I got I got Bucks. If they're Bucks. fully healthy, fully healthy, add Crowder, add Ingles, get Bobby Portis back, and then you got – plus you got Connaughton Middleton will become a starter again, and they're de- Javon Carter's playing like he does, defensive yeah. menace. They, they got a beautiful depth chart. They could do so many things positionally, and I'm here for it. But also Boston – didn't really lose anything, and they improved on the roster from a season ago. So yeah. if they meet and Milwaukee's at full strength, I'm feeling something something special, like a, like one of those old Lakers-Spurs duels. Very different era, different styles, but the competitiveness is going to be the same. Yeah, I agree with Zach. I just think if Milwaukee gets healthy, um, they're going to be a beast. And I just – I like their experience – uh, I know Boston was in the finals last year, but uh, that that group in Milwaukee will be tough. So we all are on the Bucks, which means go take the Celtics right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't listen to any. Don't take anything I say at face value. If you're trying to to actually physically place money on it, if we're just talking for fun, listen to everything I say and think it's right. And, and now here's an interesting last last thing here. Very interesting number on DraftKings. Obviously, the sponsor of our Hoops Podcast and Network. Here, I'll pull it up. Look at these odds to make the playoffs. The Knicks are at minus four hundred, which seems fair, but the Heat at minus nine hundred, with much better odds to be, I guess, a top six seed or just make the playoffs generally. But look at the Brooklyn Nets, according to DraftKings, minus sixteen hundred. To make the playoffs. Is that mess? Did they forget to update this? What is that? Minus 1,600. They're saying they got a better chance than the Knicks and Heat combined. Wow. I mean, I, I like the 10-man roster. Uh, I like their 10-man lineup better than Miami's and Brooklyn's. And on some days, as an entire unit, even Philly with their two MVPs on the roster. It's so, crazy. That's crazy. I feel like you got you got to throw five bucks on the Nets on the plus 800 not to make the playoffs. I mean, seriously, I don't think they're going to fall off. Obviously, I've kind of praised them so far today, but that those odds are – got to look deeper into those odds. That's a, that's a little nutty, but that's all we got for today. Subway Sports Talk. Don't forget to check out Zach Weiss on the Across the Cavs podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Across Cavs. Also, Matty Ireland at the Matty Ireland on Twitter as well as Canada Hoops Pod. Guys, couldn't thank you enough for talking some hoops with me. Good luck to your – favorite teams and players throughout the rest of this season. Hopefully we can talk again, but uh, appreciate that. Any, any plugs you want to throw in there, Zach, or, or did, did I cover it mostly? You covered it. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. We all forgot about Norman Powell in our Clippers discussion. So when thinking Correct. about the Clippers, don't forget the guy that was part of Kawhi's last title. When we're having that conversation. That's a great, a great point. I forgot to bring him up, but yeah, he's been, he's been huge for them. And, and you talk about, Ty Lu pushing all these different buttons. The one button he's pushed all year, basically, without question, has been Norm Powell. Maddie, any plugs for you? 
No, just thank you to you guys. Thanks for having us on, Pete. Uh, thank you to the, the Basketball Podcast Network. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, guys, and uh, enjoy the playoffs. That's it. That's all we got. Subway Sports Talk for Zach, for Maddie. I'm Pete Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, podcast app, YouTube, hit the notification bell. You guys know the deal. Leave a comment so we hear from you. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of the NBA season. Cheers.